Welcome to the Mike and Doug Show. I'm Doug, and that's Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, Douglas. How are you? Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Well, thank you. Happy holidays and all celebrations of uh, the light. You know, at this time of the year, the ancients used to think that if the sun didn't turn in its course in the sky, that it might just keep getting darker and darker and darker. And so they were thrilled when the sun, at, you know, the at the uh, winter solstice turned. And so that's what we have really is a season of light. And it's, uh, you know, whether it's the menorah, whether it's the candles, whether it's the candles on the tree, whether it's whatever, I know, uh, I just want to tell everybody, you should be celebrating that you have the consciousness to know that you are light. But anyway, that's my opening sermon, Mike. Thank you from a comparative religion expert. That's right. Now, you've been down in the mines. You've been down there so long that we wondered if you were ever coming up again. But when you came up, you came up with more good stuff. And one of the things I would like to focus on today in our talk is the FISA court, the evil FISA court, when it was founded, why it was founded, other things that were founded at the same time, and what they might have had in their mind when they created a top-secret rubber stamp court that allows them to surveil anyone that they want. And now we know is completely, absolutely corrupt uh, from what Michael Horowitz's IG report says. But you also want to tell us about Joseph... Bosberg. James Bosberg. James Bosberg. See, I forgot his name already. Right. He's the incoming presiding judge of the federal circuit or federal uh, FISA court. And he starts office tomorrow. I have a suggestion. Close it down. You don't need to take your office because you've already had an IG report in December 2016 that said you were in absolute 100% non-compliance. As a matter of fact, you were surveilling everyone in the whole world and America without any uh, proper predication, justification, without any hearing, most of the time, no hearings. These, I, I, I quoted something the other day, and now they seem to have either updated it or it's different statistics. 2018, 1,117 FISA court requests. 1,115 were granted immediately, and another one was granted later, and only one was turned down. Now, that is the kind of FISA court that we have, They and it's a top-secret court, and you found out, oh, let's go to that first. Let's, before we go to James Bosberg, you found out a sub-clause to the top-secret FISA court that says and I, you got to explain how it's even written into the court because you explained it to me and I, it's just such complicated legal war, warfare basically against justice. I can't explain it. But the AG, the attorney general now, can override a FISA court or basically say, yeah, it's cool, so therefore you have to give it. Higher than a national security letter is now created by, I believe it was um, Obama, I think you said in 2008, that this was snuck in and so the FISA court doesn't have to, they have to do anything the attorney general tells them to do. That is pure insane because it was a sub, it was a top secret addition to a top secret court that nobody even has access to, that the Supreme Court justice can appoint anybody to or take anybody off of, or they can play these games. They have complete noncompliance with the attorney general. Rosemary Collier wrote an, uh, um, a plan to, uh, correct the problem, a correction plan. Nothing was done. Mm -hmm. yeah, now right. she's quit. 
And then James is uh, lined up. But you've known James since 2010, and you've known his corruption since then, and perhaps even before with your research. But anyway, let's focus on that for a second. First off, we have a nasty FISA court. That's kind of like um, a grand jury indictment where no matter what, you lose. That's what the federal government does when they're going to basically use a star chamber on you. So yeah. the FISA court's the same thing. You get no one to represent you. They say that you're a spy, you're a spy. They say you're a terrorist, you're a terrorist. They can spy on anybody that you ever talked to above, below, anyone whatsoever you ever communicated with, they can then spy on them too. That's Correct. what goes on. That's right. Yeah, you, it was under Bush. It was the month before Obama took office. There was this opinion that was issued by Reggie Reggie uh, Walton, Judge FISA Court Judge Reggie Walton, and the the excuse for the opinion was uh, a nice lawyer trick where when two when laws are ambiguous or may have two interpretations, then the the courts can step in and issue an opinion as to how they resolve, I'm, I'm quoting here with my fingers, how they resolve the ambiguity. And so and, and it's, it's real clear now looking at these uh, games that they play that, that ambiguities are intentionally written into our laws because one of the things that Congress does is when they write a law, they're writing it at a very high level, and then they have a clause in there that says if there are ambiguities with existing laws, then the administrative groups within the uh, agency that's uh, uh, the subject of the regulation can decide for themselves how to resolve the ambiguity. Now, I'm using more or less what lawyers say, but it's a game. And, and so if you're an insider, then you can, t you can build in an ambiguity and then you can interpret it going forward any way you want to. And that's what this uh, interpretation was. It came at the, in December of 19 or 2008, right before Obama came to power. And, and I'll just uh, cut to the chase. It essentially said in very tricky, sneaky legalese that um, the attorney general could override any ambiguity, where there was an ambiguity, the attorney general could override the, the uh, decision of anyone involved in the organization, and it would be his or her uh, sole discretion as to how the ambiguity would be resolved. Now, this was a gift giving to, given to Eric Holder when he took, uh, became attorney general in 2009. So there you have it. You, you, the attorney general was given almost dictatorial powers over all surveillance throughout the world by our agencies. And so that's, what, that's how they get around any sort of regulation that you and I would say, well, that's just common sense. It, it should be done a certain way. No, not with these attorneys. They will interpret it any way they want to make sure they serve their, their masters. 
And we know Eric Holder did interpret it for Fast and Furious. He started, uh, well, he gave basically military-grade weapons, which are still being used on our southern border by the cartels against each other, against us, against anyone on the southern border. And so then Eric Holder was asked uh, before Congress to come and testify and to bring the evidence. And so he refused to, and he was in contempt of Congress, and nothing happened. And then... He couldn't. He never presented any of the evidence, which we out here in uh, citizen journalism land, we had all the evidence, and we were presenting it. Everybody had all the evidence. We had the guns. We had the serial numbers. We had the people who said that they literally bought. You know how, where the money came from. The whole thing. And what happened? He held out for seven years in contempt of Congress until the statute of limitation came through. And the day after, I swear, maybe not, but in my imagination, the day after that tricky legalese lawfare corrupt person then started shooting his mouth off about things that he was dead wrong about and then later wanted to run for president. Do not forget, he was very disappointed that Barack Hussein Obama, Barry Sotero, did not support Eric Holder to run for president. They thought they were going to, out of the bunker in Washington, where they've you know continued the uh, OFA and the whole thing with Obama and his uh, Sololinsky trained uh, street warriors and the resistance uh, through uh, basically the Chicago mob style that was brought there. Uh, you have Eric Holder being a perfect example of the person who could take that tiny little regulation and say everything is ambiguous because there could be a relationship to terrorism right. or espionage or counterintelligence, or we heard something from Latvia through Estonia, through Ukraine, through Victoria Nuland, and now we're going to unseat Donald Trump. And I barely exaggerated, but some exaggeration. But that's what we get with these people now. I smell James stinking Professor James Chandler on this. Is he on this nonsense with this uh, adjustment to the FISA court? Uh, you know, the, in like, reading this document, it, it his, his, his fingerprints were all over it. I can't tell you for sure that that's, uh, that he was the one doing it, but he had been advising presidents and uh, White Houses and Congress and the judiciary for several decades. So it seems very likely that he was the one who drafted this. And uh, it was extremely clever, but we've, we finally unraveled it. And uh, in this particular case, the opinion uh, roamed here and there, hither and yon, and quoted all sorts of uh, regulations and counter-regulations. And then it, in concluding that uh, the attorney general could have the power they referred to a complete different statute where the attorney general is very clearly given the power. And they never actually use the words from the other statute, but they reference it. And so you have to be really determined to dig through that to figure out. I remember when we saw it, when we found it, we go, wow, you're a, you're a stinking, um, I won't say, what he is, but uh, it was it was one of those things where no normal person would ever read that the attorney general gets all the dictatorial power. But the way it's written, 
uh, it's real clear. And the way they behaved subsequently proves, in my mind, that uh, that's the power they gave to the attorney general. So that probably explains, Douglas, the extreme arrogance that we saw from all these people, because one of the things about this particular decision is it was classified top secret. And we only learned about it many years later. I believe it was a Judicial Watch FOIA response from uh, the State Department or the U.S. Judiciary. I can't remember which. Maybe it was to the FISA court. But anyway, they declassified it, and then uh, we were able to see this. And if we go back to what you were referring to earlier, what we see here is uh, a group of very corrupt lawyers in Washington, D.C., who have for decades, many decades, been organizing and rewriting our laws so that they create this um, parallel legal structure, which is all self-serving. And specifically with the FISA court, tomorrow we see a change in the presiding judge to this uh, James Emmanuel Bosberg. And uh, for Grin, some of our researchers started looking at well, when did the FISA court start? And um, that's a quiz to you. When did the FISA court start? Well, you quizzed me last night, and I was uh, a few days off. I said September of 1978, about the time that the SIS was created. I, it was October 25th of 1978, yes. You were. I hate it when I make mistakes like that. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, another quiz. When was the Senior Executive Service created through the Civil Service Reform Act? Uh, that was uh, under Carter in 78, I believe. And that's when... Same, same SIS, month. Yes, yeah, and same month. And it was the a year ahead in 78 that SIS was created, the Senior, uh, the senior Intelligence, I think it's... Right. Service. And then a year later in 79, the Senior Executive Service said, hey, look what they just did in the last year. They got a FISA court. We can spy on anybody. We got the technology. And we are basically going to surveil anyone we want. And intelligence is going to rule the day. That's and what I can. And we can't get sued. Everything that happens related to our activity has got to be thrown to this FISA court, which we now see as a rubber stamp. So <clears throat> magically, what we now are observing is that by 1978, the Pilgrim Society uh, had so positioned its players within the legal profession and politics that they were able to get Congress to pass these, uh, create these organizations, which created a parallel government. So Congress created the parallel government. Congress needs to uncreate this parallel government. That's what's got to happen here. And, and so what they did is they created, it's obvious, they, they created the senior executive service. They put all these uh, career bureaucrats in that uh, couldn't be fired. And then they created a special court for all cases involving uh, top secret and, and secret uh, classified documents, which would be everything that the CIA did, the NSA, the FBI. So essentially, these people would be, uh, they would wear Teflon if it ever was thrown to a civil or criminal court. So the subject would then go into this secret FISA court and then would 
obviously magically disappear. And that's how these people have become above the law. They are above the law because they, they control that, that part of the law. And isn't it interesting how close this organization parallels the Queen's Court in that anything coming, uh, the Privy Council has its own Supreme Court that's separate from the, uh, the, the uh, government courts throughout the country in the United Kingdom. And the Privy Council can be completely protected by the Queen's Court and is. And what they've done is they've recreated that model through, through their operatives in the Pilgrim Society in the US. And they now have a similar structure in both countries. And then uh, one further fact is that there is only one person that this FISA court is accountable to. And who, the, who is that, Douglas? That would be the uh, nasty, stinking John Roberts who lies about his severe illness and then goes to Malta to get paid off. Yeah. Well, why do you say Malta? Because we have pictures of him with his bag going to get his probably uh, bearer bonds when he went there to lecture. Instead of lecturing to Americans, no, he goes to Malta? The Knights of Malta? Does that ring a bell for anybody? That's his payoff. Yes. So the FISA court is, is solely responsible to him. That so violates our constitutional uh, concept of uh, mutual accountability and plurality in, in giving him a complete dictatorial powers over that court. And so we've got this SES, which can't be fired by the president of the United States, who they work for ostensibly. And then we have a FISA court that's only responsible to one person who is a, a Knights of Malta along with the queen. So here we come, we come back to the British again. And they have very cleverly helped our people organize that. And, and then we go full circle to Bosberg, which we hadn't, dug that deeply into his background, but now that we have, uh, he was clearly groomed from his St. Albans High School days, which is a, a very a private elite school for uh, the Pilgrim Society devotees out of, um, out of Washington. And uh, he went from his days at St. Albans to Yale, and then he went on to Oxford, where he uh, was an, a Rhodes Scholar. And then he has completely been steeped in the British public school system. St. Albans is organized just like a British public school, which in our terminology is private school. But if you look at the list of their elite, just Google it, St. Albans alumni, and you'll see a list as long as your arm of who's who, including the current chief of staff for USAID, Douglas. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my gosh! You you hadn't told me this that right. he is uh, uh he is basically the, is he on the privy council for heaven's sakes because he's so close oh, I, he might as well be. You know I, I we don't have a current list of the Pilgrim Society, but uh, we do have uh, some of the older names on this list include the Rockefellers, uh, Henry Luce, who's uh, Life Magazine, uh, Newsweek Magazine, uh, Sports Illustrated. We have the Washington Post, the uh, New York Times, Marriott. Um, it goes on and on. So, so what we see here is an insider group right there in Washington, D.C., coming out of this St. Albans High School 
and and uh, they have a very tight alumni organization. So between Bosberg's connections through his high school days and his days at Yale and Oxford, and by the way, he was a uh, member of the Skull and Bones at Yale, and uh, then we move on and look at all of his wife's relationship. His wife is uh, is the one that's uh, making hay as a technology uh, investor, founder, flipper. And uh, so clearly he's got his basis covered financially. And most of it's done either through his investments in these various Pilgrim Society organizations or through his wife, who is in and out of deals as fast as Carter has liver pills. And that means that she's making money every time she moves her stock. Yeah, crypto pills. Now, I want to bash John Roberts for a moment. Do you mind if I back up a little bit and say, hey, John Roberts, you are a corrupt, lying, turncoat, rewriter of the Constitution, and you should actually be held for treason because you knew you knew that Judge Contreras was a FISA court judge that sat and approved FISA court warrants, and then he was on Robert Mueller's he impaneled grand jury. And then as soon as all the evidence was presented before there was any determination, so he couldn't be held responsible for it, John Roberts replaced him because he was why? A friend of Peter Strzok had came out in the in the uh, text messages between uh, Strzok and Page. And so then, oh, what else has he done? Oh, let's see. Uh, mm, well, we can go to Amy Berman Jackson in a moment because that's James uh, Bosberg's, uh, you know, good buddy. But Look at what he did with Judge Leon. He allowed Judge Leon to continue to try the case against Podesta and the DNC and the Fusion GPS against Chris and, and the Christopher Steele. Judge Leon and Podesta are bunk buddies. Do you think he made him recuse himself? No. How, but he did make Judge Chutkin recuse herself. I mean, put Judge Chutkin into a case uh, so that the Imran Awan case was turned into a real estate case and started instead of the largest espionage case we've ever had in America. Uh, and then you get to see the way that the Supreme Court justice is exactly what you just said. It is the Queen's Court. You cannot stand yeah. against the Queen's Court. You cannot stand against the judgment of John Roberts in the Supreme Court, though he is absolutely a paid-off globalist. And I'll stop there because I could go on and on. Well, let me let me uh, add to what you just said because uh, we had some folks uh, in the Midwest look at the confirmation hearing of Judge Bosberg, and he actually had two. He had one in 2002 for an assistant position, um, and then in 2010, which. Uh, where he became a full-blown judge in the D.C. court, D.C. circuit, not the circuit, but the district court. And as we talked about before, judges, when they go before the Senate for confirmation, have to submit something called uh, a statement, which goes through their background in quite, uh, uh, quite de uh, enough detail so that everyone can see their complete background, who they're in relationships with. Well, First of all, uh, his St. Albans uh, connections, and these are hundreds of uh, prominent people, are, uh, are not addressed in any of his, uh, his disclosures. And then in his 2002 address, or 2002 confirmation statement, 
he has to provide a list of all the places he's ever worked. Uh, and he did that. And then in 2010, the same question was asked. And the information that he added was dramatic in 2010. So here's what he added. He added that he, uh, at while he's still finishing up law school, uh, was a summer associate in three different law firms. Uh, one was Munger, Tolls, and Olson. And then another was Williams and Conley. And another was Wilmer, Cutler, and Pickering, which is now Wilmer Hale. Now let's talk about the last two, Williams and Conley and Wilmer, Hale, Wilmer Hale. Um A lot of people are not familiar with Wil Williams Conley, but they are uh, a player in the Hillary Clinton uh, prosecutions and the analysis of her email server and then uh, all issues related to the uh, attempts to get her emails. Williams and Conley is a close associate of James Chandler, who was our patent attorney, and and Con Williams and Conley handled the first Economic Espionage Act prosecution for Chandler in 1998, and this was right before I met him. And then Williams and Conley has gone on to represent Hillary Clinton multiple times, and therefore we see that Bosberg withheld his prior association with Williams and Conley in 2002, and it wasn't until 2010 that that came out. And then in the same year, which is interesting, he was a summer associate in two different firms, three different firms, and the, in Wilmer Hale, summer associate in 1989, which was when um, uh, Robert Mueller uh, was a partner at Williams Wilmer Hale. So what we see here are two pieces of information where at least two where Judge Bosberg perjured himself because he withheld that information from his 2002 uh, confirmation statement. And that was in, I forget what month it was in 2002. But what would be a motivation, Douglas, for him to uh, did not disclose that he was associated with Wilmer Hale back in 2002. Well, he hid a lot of things. For instance, he hid that he's, in fact, a crown agent. He hid the fact mm -hmm. that uh, basically he's being groomed exactly like uh, Michael Horowitz was being groomed to be, you know, a head, head attorney general. And like so many of these judges are being groomed. And why? Because do they go to England? Uh, remember, I just mentioned the Knights of Malta. Well, and then you mentioned England. Well, that's the queen takes a vow to the head of the Knights of Malta, who is the representative of the Pope. So when we're talking about selling your soul out as an American, the best place you can do that is in Britain. Now, uh, uh, Boosberg is, in fact, a setup, but so was Rosemary Collier ahead of him. Well, let me because let me uh, finish before we go to Collier. Let's let's finish up with. Uh Bosberg, because that's that's uh, Robert Mueller's firm. And uh, Robert Mueller was on the carpet in 2002 for the post 9-11 investigation, where he, he and uh, Arvindar Simbai were covering up their false, false uh, prosecution 
of a, a bunch of Algerians who they accused of being the the masterminds of the 9/11 attack when they it, it it occurred about a decade later that none of that information was true it was all false accusations so it, it it's clear that in 2002 Bosberg didn't want to be associated with Robert Mueller but in, in 2010 he obviously didn't care and therefore we now look at him coming in as the FISA court presiding judge now and don't you think that, that those those relationships would be enough to have him recuse himself from his involvement, further involvement with the FISA court, given how closely those two firms are associated with Hillary Clinton. Well, well, yes. And can you please uh, elucidate on this point that you were describing to me? And I can't tell the detail, tell you the details, but that Chandler took stocks and mixed them up into 401ks and common stock and all this stuff so that when you buy a stock, you can just say, well, as a judge, though I in fact have a lot of money invested in Facebook, I'm trying a case in front of me about Facebook, but I'm not going to recuse myself because why I'm going to say that, oh, my Facebook stock, it's just one of many things in, in my portfolio. Can you please explain to us the reason why judges should not even really be allowed to invest in the stock market because the what case is not going to affect the stock market if they're a federal judge? Well, I, uh, I remember Chandler talking about this one because he was representing us in, in two, 2001. And this is when the judicial conference uh, completely rewrote the, the rules on disclosing mutual fund holdings. And they wrote about a 14-page opinion that was uh, created something called the safe harbor concept. It was a concept. It wasn't a policy. It wasn't a decision. It's certainly not a statute. But the concept changed the whole idea of having to disclose the, the stock holdings within a mutual fund. And so it enabled the the uh, holders, which would be public officials, but in, in this case, it was specifically judges at the Judicial Conference in Washington, D.C. in 2001, I think it was in May, uh, they rewrote the rules so that judges could hold stock in mutual funds and not have to disclose the holdings of those mutual funds in the stocks within their portfolio. So like you said, it, they, they could have a Facebook can affect our judges had the Facebook case in front of them, and they claimed they didn't own any Facebook stock. But if you look inside those portfolios, in many of those holdings, Facebook was a significant holding. It wasn't just a minimal holding. It was a significant holding in that mutual fund. And so that became the excuse for our judges to open up their portfolios to any stock they wanted to buy and not have to disclose the major holdings inside that mutual fund. So it was the game that judges today use as the excuse for not having to disclose their holdings. It's and, a scandal. And, and because of good old Professor James Chandler, they get away with it. But in Congress, I forget when, not long ago, before Trump, they tried to put forth a law saying that they don't have to disclose what stocks they own if they are in the uh, in the House or in the Senate. Hello, look at John McCain. Raytheon was his main stock and prisons. And so if you follow these people, you actually see how they enrich themselves by being on certain committees 
and making certain decisions. It's just disgusting graft right. and enrichment, and uh, it, it's terrible what happens. And for instance, we just mentioned, and I just want to go back when I said privy council. I don't want to be uh, accused of you know being a conspiracy theorist, but uh, the Pilgrim Society is nothing more than the tool of the Privy Council and the monarchy that's a fake monarchy. And when you look at the Priv uh, Pilgrim Society, you can see that, of course, the Obamas are part of the uh, Pilgrim Society. And guess who's the person who puts on the lovely dinners? And they, they brag about these dinners. And so we don't even have to find them on a list. We know who they are. That would be George Soros, who is the largest investor in Netflix, which is the company that offered Obama and Michelle or Michael a job afterwards for doing nothing. And then um, who was the number one owner, uh, number one investor in Pearson um, uh, Publishing Company, which is basically the core curriculum in all the textbooks and all their subsidiaries? Uh, that would be the same uh, company that has a subsidiary that offered the Obamas. They're, you know, uh, mega million dollar book deals when we know that nobody's reading those books. So what are we doing? This is simply go uh, the government taking taxpayer money and using it for officials to enrich themselves. And this is no, this is no, nothing unusual. So Soros did this in Ukraine. He literally bought his way. I forget whether there's about a half a dozen members that are foreigners on these different gas companies in Ukraine. And one of them is uh, uh, Nafkogas. And he literally said, came out, I just was reading the papers the other day where he literally says, I'm going to give you a billion dollars if you put me on this board. And then I'm going to take all my profits from it and put it back into my uh, the International Renaissance uh, Foundation and all these terrible, beautiful named foundations, but all have nothing but George Soros color revolution as their agenda. And then he says, I'm going to take all the money I make from this gas deal and pour it back into the country to keep having color revolutions until I get the people running this country that listen to me. Now, why would anybody listen to George Soros anymore? Because their brain has become completely eaten alive by the maggots of mammon, by the worship of money and by the worship of all kinds of evil. And George Soros, anyone who would listen to his advice, is worse than a globalist. They're worse than a Pilgrim Society member. They're worse than a, a Privy Council member or a Knight of Malta, which he he's all of those except Privy Council, but it doesn't matter. He controls Lord Malik Brown and Jeffrey Patty, which are his best friends. And they're on the Privy Council. So he is in all of this. Why would we listen to these criminals? Because the courts won't, and the Department of Justice and the FBI won't bring a simple tax evasion case against the biggest tax evader on the face of the earth. That's the level of corruption that the courts must keep. And that's what you're revealing. And in a while, we'll, we'll go to Rosemary uh, uh, uh Collier, but I want to hear more if you have uh, yeah, anything we have to another, say about little James. We have another um, very telling disclosure that he added in 2010 and it wasn't in his 2002 disclosure. And it was, while at Oxford, I wrote a movie review for a magazine called ISIS in November of 1985. And I had not heard of ISIS. And since then, we've looked it up and uh, this magazine goes all the way back to 1892 uh, when it was formed. Uh, and the person who formed it, uh, his name is Moton Turtle Piggott. Uh, very interesting name. Uh, 
but uh, he started looking him up and and he was a delegate at the Imperial Press Conference in 1909. Therefore, he was involved with the formation of British MI5 and MI6. And as the editor of the chief uh, Oxford student magazine, he was obviously an agent of uh, the intelligence community in Britain from uh, the inception of MI5 and MI6. And he then turned the organization over after World War One, or at the end of World War One, to another person by the name of Beverly Nichols, who was clearly, in fact, uh, Nichols even writes in a, in a newspaper that he was a spy for the Department of uh, Information, which would be John Buchan, which was the de propaganda department that had a major program against the U.S. at the time in World War One. He came over before he went back to Oxford to, to take on this magazine. He came over to the U.S. and this this kid actually was had meetings with uh, Woodrow Wilson and others. Uh, so this ISIS magazine to this day is clearly a spy a spy organization and spy operation, and uh, they're trying to claim that they're uh, throwing off the radical left heritage of their past but uh, if you look at their current magazine it's 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 extremely leftist and uh, it, it, it's it's real clear that this is a major organ to to rewrite the morality of our young students and why would Bosberg withhold that information earlier in 2002 well we look at that and we we discover he's a Rhodes scholar he had he was a member of Yale Skull and Bones, and he is associated, therefore, with British MI6 and the whole propaganda effort of the Pilgrim Society to uh, to basically take down Trump. I think that's what we're seeing here, and he knew that and withheld it and and, and left his disclosure to one sentence, and he said he couldn't find a copy of it. We're looking for copies of that uh, document right now that he wrote. Well, this is more of the, um, the Empire Union's propaganda. It's yes. more British propaganda. And Imperial is, press. We should start, instead of mainstream propaganda or mainstream media, we should just say Imperial press. Well, I would just, I just wrote in my head, imperialism. This is sheer hegemony based upon imperialism. And in the, many of these cases, it's white supremacists, sorry, but they do manipulate other races. But at the top, we they, they actually fit a very small profile. So it's pretty easy to figure out who these Rhodes Scholars right. people are. For instance, Mayor Pete is a Rhodes Scholar. Bill Clinton is a Rhodes Scholar. Bosberg is a Rhodes Scholar. Therefore, I'm assuming that if we look closely at James Bosberg, he's a sexual weirdo. So, yes, oh, that's right. He was trained again and again and again through British mind manipulation, which is worse than, than being MKUltra uh, mind-swept, uh, brain-bleached. No, when you go through the British thing, they convince you of imperialism. They convince you that they are the superior race. Right. And that if you're part of their inner group and you get their titles and you get to a Rhodes Scholar and later maybe you even get knighted or you get uh, the guard, Order of the Garter or you get the Order of St. John. No, this is all insanity that has to do with 
bowing down to a monarchy. By the way, I always point out a German monarchy who has taken over the British. So when we're talking about this, we're talking about what we really need to do is realize there should be a war on mainstream media. And what, I loved what Cat Report did recently. It put a definition for the word writer, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. uh, Thompson Reuters, which was started off as writers and then uh, remember In England, by the way. In what? In England, by the way. Oh, in England, it was right. It was in the very building where the first market started, yep. where the Rothschilds ruled. And they, when they saw writers, they saw, oh, well, look, you, you're affecting markets. We'll just get, we'll not, we won't buy you because then it would be obvious. We will give you all the money. And so for a long time, everyone knew that Rothschilds owned writers. But writers is when you lie, when there's deceit. And as you keep pointing out, when you say mainstream media, you better remember the Imperial Press Union and the Empire Press yep. Union and what it became, which is the spies who lie. And they're, they're dung flies is really what they are. They are people who are working against us. And we need to now go on a war against the mainstream media's attack against our own national security because they don't care if we go into a recession or war, whatever, as long as they get their political ends, which is to get back to the demon rat, the far progressive left agenda, which is George Soros, as we just mentioned. It's James, it's James Boosberg. It's and his good friend Amy Berman Jackson. Okay. Who, yes. That oh. was another element of our discovery. In looking up uh, Bosberg's uh, confirmation statement in 2002, uh, no, in 2010, he was nominated at the same time and had his confirmation hearing on the same day as Amy Berman Jackson and was recommended by the same people. So there you have the setup. So I think this is probably good news that he's being put in as presiding judge because it appears that fewer and fewer people can can hold the line on this discovery of all their corruption. And while we're at this, you know what I think after looking at St. Albans and looking at their alumni list, their their globalist uh, Pilgrim Society alumni list, this feeder system, this grooming of the kids while they're in high school, and this was a boys' school, by the way, and um, I'll say no more. And the way that our, these children are manipulated to be the people who take over in these dynasties, this whole feeder system has got to be unraveled. It, it, it's, it's very obvious that this, this place is probably as, as, quote, elite as Eaton. And, uh, and and Carrie went there. Uh, even Jesse Jackson went there. Some of the alumni, uh, David Ignatius, uh, the head of the Harvard Business Review, uh, multiple Washington Post writers. Uh, Marriott sent his son there. Um, Harvard Business School. The Bushes went. The some of the Bush family went there. NBC, uh, the Rockefellers, just goes on and on. It, it, you know, once you once you get a, an angle on how these people maintain this power, besides stealing patents, they then teach their kids the ways of this system, and then they inherit as as the previous proponents get older. 
and, and then they're in, obviously very good at it. Oh, phew. and in good British fashion, they propagandize to the point that a Carnegie is a hero, that a Rockefeller is a hero. Yeah. I, and I want to say, I want to apologize to people who listen to us. I don't hammer on the Rockefellers and Standard Oil enough. They're the seven sisters. They have ruled our currency since their inception and since World War I and II gave over all of the kerosene rights to one person. Anytime you centralize any of this stuff and make a monopoly through the government, you create absolute pure evil. And basically, when you go to a British school and they say, ah, we can manipulate you from an early age. Oh, good, good, good. We, we have plans for you. And they do. And their brainwashing makes Jesuits blush. I well, when you're a, when you're a kid and you're told that in high school, you're pretty impressed. And th these guys know how to do it. They know how to, how to how to ingratiate themselves, how to flatter, and how to suck in. They test everyone, and out of that testing of all the students, they start picking out the ones that they can see are the are the candidates for the graduation to the next level of their corruption. Without a doubt. And they're so effective at it. Their hegemony is going on right now all over the world, 54 nations, and then you got to count America's 55th uh, nation. Uh, because the United Kingdom is so effective that they allow the largest, most corrupt thing on the face of the earth to exist in almost all of their island nations. And what's that? Offshore accounts. Digits that represent stolen money from countries where no taxes were paid. Mm -hmm. That is British, folks. You can't hardly name a British island that doesn't have so much wealth on it, all in digits. And then when you want to talk about gold, you're talking about the Bank of England's gold uh, called the um, Bullion Vault, which is actually owned by the, Rockefeller, uh, by the Rothschilds. So when we're talking about the British... And we're talking about the Imperial Press Union and the Empire Press Union and what we would call BBC now and Reuters and what we'd call Thompson Reuters, what we would call, as point people point out, they say, the Rothschilds own the Associated Press. Well, no, they own the companies that owned the Associated Press, which was a collective. They learned early on to hide. And right now, if you said to somebody, if you said to poor James Bosberg, dude, you have been brainwashed. He wouldn't know it. He's hoping to have a tea with the Queen of England because that's how you know you're someone in England. How many teas have you had with the Queen's family? What does that matter? To imagine that a monarchy has a, a, a divine relationship with God that's higher than everyone else, that's sheer poppycock. That is sheer superstition. And what we really have is the Roman Catholic Church through the Jesuits and the Knights of Malta and, the, and, and Venice, and then the Venetian bankers coming into Britain, have the strongest hold that any fundamentalists have ever had. Let's call this what it is. This is Anglo-American pilgrim society fundamentalism based upon white supremacy and hegemony. Right. And every time you turn around, you blow my mind by showing me another level of this that just convinces me that it's true. And, and it goes back to the word you just said, imperialism. If you believe you're supposed to rule the rest of the world, then that's a mindset that is a brainwashing right. that you can never get rid of once you've Then you send your children to the, the, uh, the select schools 
uh, let me talk about a few more um, alumnus from uh, St. Albans, which would include Brett Hume, by the way, at Fox, uh, NPR journalist. Um, you mentioned Associated Press, the form, a director of the Associated Press is an alum and the former director of the Defense Security Cooperation Agency, um, Evan Bai, Birch Bai's son, um, the creator of The Simpsons. You've got uh, people in the US Navy, US Army, um, the editor of the Jewish Chronicle, the uh, former chairman, uh, the chairman emeritus of the World Wildlife Fund, which is uh, British. Uh, I think uh, Queen Elizabeth's husband, um, Prince Philip, is big in the World Wildlife Fund. Oh, here's another good one: the chairman of the 9/11 Commission, the founders of the Motley Fool. And again, USAID and the US Consumer Product Safety Commissioner. So you're talking about an insider group whose name should all be disclosed. Whenever somebody goes to one of these schools, all those names from high school on need to be disclosed in any public uh, disclosure that these people do subsequently. And right now they get to hide it. Or they wear it as an accolade on their vest. They're proud of it. They are so proud that they went to Oxford or Cambridge or St. Albans or anything to do with the Brits makes you somehow more valid than you were before as an American. But what this really is, is it's a grooming. Yes. And, and, and I get really upset because I just saw again, finally, the truth is coming out. Oh, night. 15,000 British girls have been continuously raped for the majority of their sexual life. Okay? That just came out. That's the ones that came out. In other words, what are they doing in Britain? I, I'm, I'm afraid we have to question everything, and I think we need to end our relationship with it. And Bojo, Boris Johnson's a perfect example. This is a man who was a no, never-Trumper. This is a man who believed in George Papadopoulos' setup. This is a man who worked with Richard Dearlove and Stephen Halper and Christopher Steele. He's as corrupt and crooked as uh, as majors or any of them, any of them. You don't get to that position. As a matter of fact, did you notice that one of their top dogs just went over to the UN? Uh, you know, you go from being literally the, pri uh, the uh, deputy prime minister to working at the UN. Why? Because that's the globalist organization that carries out yep. the imperialism of what? we have called um you know british imperialism yeah they send their people they put their people in place at the department of state and then those people then assign hundreds of millions of dollars per project to usaid and opic and then that money then flows to the un or to their private pockets i'm so glad you said that because somebody asked on the cat report i think you know, what's, is this a crown agent? What is it? What is a crown? Okay. There's literally an organization called crown agents, but we are now, everyone we've just described is a crown agent. Anybody who believes they need to kowtow to the British or the British monarchy or the Privy Council or the Pilgrim Society or the Council on Foreign Relations, which is British or Serco, 
the $1.4 billion I just saw on the count report again, that we reminded us that that went to a friend of Barack Obama's to set up a website for Obamacare. Let's remember that Serco is basically in charge of most of the services in America and all that money goes to the Brits. So let's go back for a second. Jesse Liu. Jesse Liu took Michael Horowitz's inspector general report on politicalization between the DOJ and the FBI and said, oh, I only find one person who uh, did some things wrong, and that was Andrew McCabe, and he listed 18 things that he did wrong. Jesse Liu had a secret court, a star chamber, where there was a grand jury, and people came and testified. We didn't get to hear a single leak out of any of that. None, not one single teensy tiny leak. And then in the end, they slow walked it until she wrote a report that said, here are three points. And in those points, there were six points under each one of them. Each of those six points was a separate crime for Andrew McCabe. Okay? 18 crimes. And she recommended no prosecution sent that to the Department of Justice. That shows you what we're talking about. Where the judges can take a regulation or a rule or whatever, whatever, and they can do any darn thing they want because they are, what are they, folks? They're a monarchy that controls America, and the Supreme Court is the monarch, and John Roberts is our king, whether we admit it or not. I hadn't heard you say that before, but uh, that's what the facts show. It got me mad. I Betsy got got me all worked up today, you know, and uh, I got worked up because I'm thinking, well, this is too simple. We need to impeach John Roberts. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, if she's still alive, has to be impeached because she keeps making remarks about Trump and then makes rulings on Trump. Yeah, She makes public remarks against Trump and then makes rulings on Trump. I want to repeat that. And I'm sitting back yelling because any idiot, not even through first year of law school, would know that that's insane. She needs to be tried. She needs to go to a court. These people believe they are above the court, and they are not. They are citizens, no higher than you or I, and they are in our service. And we pay their salary, and they work for us. And it needs to stop being the reverse, that a George Soros gave $2 billion twice for Barack Obama to get elected. Now he's paying $65 billion for book deals for the Obamas. I forget what they got paid for Netflix. This is George Soros. Why isn't he, through the Department of Justice, enemy number one? Because why? The Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA now, unfortunately, and the Department of the the entire corporate intelligence network is there to defend Washington district of crime. These criminals use the intelligence community to get away with their crimes. Look at Joe Biden. Why isn't anybody, Joe Biden just released his tax returns, right? Lie. $900,000 was paid to Rosemont LLC. Joe Biden works for them. He didn't list that $900,000. His son didn't list the $1.5 billion from China. His son didn't list the Literally millions, if not, and he was part of a scheme for laundering for billions, which has now been found out. Why doesn't the Department of Justice take action and order the FBI to simply say, hey, does anyone in America know of any time George Soros ever paid a penny in taxes? And when no one answers and there's crickets, we need to arrest him. 
the next time he's on our shore because he ain't no American and he's working in a color revolution actively right now through the people we've just described and others. We can list the other federal judges. And, and by the way, the demon rats are so stupid that, ju that, we, uh, that Trump has snuck in 187 judges. They're not going away. And so we are actually winning on the court level. We didn't know this could possibly happen because we didn't believe they could be so stupid that they would focus on impeachment and forget the court system. And that Ruth Bader Ginsburg needs to be impeached and John Roberts too because of FISA court. John Roberts has to go because of FISA court. FISA court has to be closed down, period. Well, it should have been closed down in 2016 the, when they voted on it in January, I believe it was. And they voted and they promised Trump that they were going to use Rosemary Collier's corrective plan and they did not do one single item on that corrective plan. That's the reason she jumped ship and now they have... No, I don't think that's the reason. What do you think she jumps up? Uh, I mean, I, I, that, that's the stated reason. But if you look at her resume, and I don't have it in front of me right now, but uh, she's clearly another groomed individual. And her grooming took a little bit different course than Bozberg's. Her grooming was right out of law school. She started doing speeches for various legal organizations all over the world. I mean, it's a massive list of speeches she's done. It looked, it reminded me of Bill Clinton's speech list. And, uh, and that's the way they, they pollinate all the flowers of their, uh, their insider contacts and gives her an excuse to travel everywhere and anywhere to meet privately with anybody that they want her to meet with. And they did that with her for years. And then they started moving her up within the Department of Justice. And, uh, and then in May of uh, 2016, right as they were getting ready to crank up the crossfire hurricane, they make her the pres presiding judge of the FISA court. And then she, she now claims that the FBI lied to her. But I don't believe that for a minute, Douglas. I think that she clearly knew what her job was. Her job was to go through the motions to, uh, to uh, uh, approve all of these warrants. And they already knew that they had given immunity to everyone who would be involved. And so she was there just as a placeholder. So let me point out something about the Supreme Court. The, 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 uh, the court is a separate branch of government. The people who should be managing the discipline of the court, the, the, uh, the rules of professional conduct are the chief, the justices, the chief justices and the justice. And clearly they're not doing anything and you're right, the, the fish, this fish rots at the head. And it's not only Roberts, it's everyone else that uh, works with him within the Supreme Court are the ones that aren't managing our courts according to the Constitution. And I think they all know this dirty little secret about the FISA court and the use of that for all classified activity to hide it from the American people and from our courts. Because if anything gets out in the court, what they'll just do is go in and, and seal it. And that's what we, we saw that a lot with uh, various Facebook cases. Uh, and they even tried it in our case. And uh, our attorneys were pretty good at beating back most of it, but I don't think they beat back all of it. And so consequently, if any information related to this um, Pilgrim Society strategy is threatened to come out, all they have to do is walk in, get a call from the Department of Justice saying this is, 
top secret, classified, that must be sealed, can never be revealed, then they protect their own at all times, in all places. And I think these, these justices know that. And so our system is, uh, I, and what do you call it, a shadow play, a, uh, a game that makes our system look like we're getting justice, but it should be the Department of Injustice. Absolutely. I didn't know that about her. So I see what you're saying. So let me summarize it a different way. She is like Horowitz. She was yes. basically That's prepared right. for a higher job. So when she was placed in there and they knew that Rogers, mm -hmm. Admiral Rogers was going, to, was going to turn in the FISA court and the whole NSA surveillance being used by everyone in the Obama administration, she was just a Democrat placement for a moment to basically make sure that nothing happened from the IG report, which it didn't. It was given to her. She wrote the corrective plan. Nothing happened. Then she come. Then then when it came out, the truth came out. Then she. Oh, the FBI lied to me. No, they didn't. You knew that the, it was a lie. The whole thing was a lie. Anybody would have known if you read that dossier and you thought it was real. You need to be fired. <laughs> exactly. Period. I don't care what job you had. So the point is, she knew it. So what you're saying is, here's the bottom line. I get it now. She's going to get her promotion. <laughs> yes. She's not getting out like a John Carlin and moving to private. She's going to get a promotion in the system because she did such a good I job. I don't think, given her, her pedigree, I don't think she can handle uh, what's going to happen next with the FISA court. I think uh, Bozberg's been put in there to put an ironclad seal on top of everything that may come out of the uh, FISA court. And, and she probably didn't have the stomach for that. That's my view of her. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And yes, we don't know what's going to happen with the FISA court. It should not be closed because of the illegality of it from the get-go, from every single spec and every level. Uh, but will it be closed? Uh, well, no, they keep saying we need... We, there's a thousand ways to get domestic proper domestic warrants. You don't have to go through a top secret I court. Heard, I heard Gowdy say we we need a court like that. I don't believe we do because th that's not due process. And we already are doing it. That's completely fake. That's ways. That's the reason I have yet to hear anyone use the word hearing. I have heard of no hearings that happened at the FISA court. I hear of applications being approved. I hear of no hearings. Why? It's fake. Because Why would there the be a hearing? General, the reason is, I think, because the attorney general has already overridden it. So they don't need the FISA court. The attorney general overrode the FISA court. Precisely. That's why. Oh, and in that attorney general override, it says that they based it upon the U.S. Patriot Act. Correct. Which I keep saying is uh, took away all your constitutional rights, the Bill of Rights and everything, and everyone's a terrorist until proven otherwise, which they've done to Trump because they used the two words that are the magic words that the DOJ, FBI, CIA only listen to. And those are the two words, terrorism and espionage. Because why? Then they can start a closed door, black ops, national security secured. No one, even the president, gets to know what they're doing all for the sake of national security underneath the auspice of, yes, 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 get ready, counterintelligence, mm -hmm. which means it wasn't an investigation. It means that they had 100% proof before they started to act in a counterintelligence fashion, which they had none of, and which the CIA almost never has, and which the FBI counterintelligence department doesn't have, and which the Department of Justice National Security Division doesn't have. So why are they doing these things behind the president's back? 
even behind, uh, they they inform the um, a group of eight from the senators in the house, uh, the group, uh, the gang of eight. But it, they lie to them. That was proven. John Brennan gave each of them a separate, uh, basically an information session uh, uh, on the Steele dossier, and he said different things to each one of them. My so, bet, my bet is you're going to see an approval by the attorney general for them to lie. Well, I think that you've already proven that Chandler wrote a law that said they could lie in Congress. So, right. yes, we know they can lie in the court. So now they're going to say even the FBI can lie to the courts. Yes, I think you're probably right. That'll probably be the new determination is a new law that says the intelligence agencies can lie. But because that is a top secret decision, they can't talk about it. So <laughs> exactly. I think that, that is the game they're playing. It's clear. Well, it's all national security. But then they don't care that the mainstream media is uh, is attacking our national security every single day by telling lies, which is a, a monopoly of lies about our president, to attempt to do what? A color revolution. This is a coup d'etat. We need to call it what it is, and then we yeah. can actually confront it. And John Roberts needs to go to jail. Ruth Bader Ginsburg needs to go out to pasture because I think she's probably been on ice for quite some time. And, and the rest of the courts need to do their job. And when they don't, we need to impeach them. By the way, we need to be looking. The, the, the justices are one level of accountability. But the, the persons that really run the Supreme Court are the clerks for the justices. Because those justices don't have time to review all those cases coming before them. It is those clerks. And then you need to look at the clerks and what law firms they came from. And I, I guarantee you're going to see the same old, same old group, uh, part of the globalist uh, activity, to make sure they've got a handle on anything that comes out of the Supreme Court. So this system, if we go back to 1978, Douglas, that seems to be when our republic was put on ice by our bureaucracy and and that's when things really changed as i look back at what i was doing then i was taking gospel music groups into the soviet union back at at that very time when when uh, they formed this secret court and they formed the senior executive service and now we know operation echelon had already been going for several years so their their mechanism for taking over is 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 coming to the fore now. Well, let's remember that uh, that was um, that was Jimmy Carter who got his money from BCCI, a Pakistani CIA uh, bank. He was manipulated by the globalists. He helped start Optech with Lord Malik Brown through the United Nations in Venezuela. He put dictators in power in this way, and so they convinced this peanut farmer that he was going to be Lord of the world. But then what they really did is they tricked him and they turned it into uh, CIA chaos. And he got tricked and got, of course, uh, uh, basically defamed because of the Iran uh, scandal with the helicopters and trying to get the hostages out. Why? Because he was a toy and the CIA was going all different directions at that time. And they were doing whatever the heck they wanted. And so you see the British just coming out blatantly and saying, we're taking over all election machines in the whole world through Optech. Oh, that's nice. We're taking over all intelligence through the SIS. And the next year, 
all American bureaucracy and the civil service for the federal government. Oh, and then the next year, we're going to make sure that the federal courts, the FISA court, can spy on anybody they want, anytime they want, without any justification, to make sure the intelligence community stays in power, to make sure that they work also with the MS, the mainstream media, right? Because and that's will, their trick. And I will add, simply because it's my subject, the way they have determined the best way to maintain power is to steal intellectual property from up and coming inventors. And so by doing that, they maintain a steady flow of new ideas that keep their insider corporations uh, fat and happy. Then they use the power of their cash to make sure they can outspend anybody that might try to compete with them. So if they haven't knocked them out in the early days of the invention, they eventually buy them out. And then if it gets really nasty, then they start using the courts, which they had to with us, uh, to uh, rig the results. So one way or another, they've determined they're going to win in all cases. Absolutely. Peter Thiel said it best. Silicon Valley cyber companies have only one business model, and that is monopoly. And that's what we see. These are government monopolies subsidized by the government, lied about, when in fact, these are cardboard cutouts. These aren't even the people who invented. They stole that technology because they know that really is the wealth of the future. Well, we've gone over an hour. I'm surprised that uh, Betsy hasn't chimed in and said, well, you know, we need to wrap this up. But we really today pointed out that the court system is lawfare. It's basically in a war against justice. Yes. And you have shown through the research of the Americans for Innovation and all your researchers and all the excellent people at uh, Leader Technologies and all the research they're doing that this goes back to a simple source that we can eradicate. Do not be despaired. We simply must keep chipping away at this monolith until it falls, which it will. 